Hey, what's up, guys? It's Mike Lynch. What's going on? This is Rashad. This is the Sports Sunday Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. It is now brought to you on the fan by your local Les Schwab Tire Centers. Doing the right thing since 1952. Fire up for pro football. That's what we call a sack lunch. Nom, 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 nom. This is Football Sunday with Mike and Rashad. Wouldn't kill you. We'd play some competitive sports once in a while, wouldn't it? Oh, would that make you love me? Football Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. Hour two of two here on Football Sunday. In the middle of talking about the second game of the day, the Vikings and the Eagles out in Philadelphia. Already talked about the Patch Jags. Coming up next segment, which game do we think we're going to see in the Super Bowl? Our prediction segment, if you will. And then which game do we want to see in the Super Bowl? And then at 10.30, we've got Hate It or Love It, which will be competition, and the winner will get to host the final segment of the show. But I did want to get to here the continuation of our ongoing theme of the show today, the other three. We already talked about Blake Bortles, so let's talk about Case Keenum and Nick Foles. And I want to start with Case Keenum because he's going to be a free agent this year. And generally, it was thought that the Vikings would let him go. Because Bradford's healthy, Bridgewater's healthy, although we haven't seen him play, and we're not, we're not sure what his skill level is going to be after taking the severe injury. But after that game last week, after the play, the pass, the Minneapolis miracle, as they called it, to Stefan Diggs that won them the game with no time to go, I almost feel like it's impossible not to bring Case Keenum back. He's, he's become a, a legend, if you will, for Minnesota. And I, Look, I know that that win doesn't mean a Super Bowl, but Minnesota has had nothing but heartache in sports for the longest time, especially in playoff situations. And to have a guy like Case Keenum, who is a kind of scrappy underdog who's been playing well for them, all, really, really well all year, all year for them, do that and make that kind of a play when the number two seed in their first game of the playoffs, when they had a bye week going up against the Saints, was about to lose and played pretty bad doing it, that guy kind of becomes a legend. And I don't think the Vikings can let him walk this year. And part of it is emotional, in my opinion. But the other part is, is logical. Case Keenum played just as well, if not better, than Sam Bradford was early in the year. And Bradford was playing well, too. There's absolutely no trust in what Teddy Bridgewater can do after such a severe knee injury. So why wouldn't you go bring Case Keenum back? He's already proven he could win with this coaching staff and this team around him. It's not like it's a fluke. It doesn't feel like it's a fluke. If it was a fluke, he'd have had a lot of bad games this year, too. He didn't. He was just good almost every single week. Case Keenum, again, we have this thing, like, if you're a subpar player to start, then that's just who you are. There's no room for growth. There's no room to learn. There's no room for any of that. That's why I feel bad for any quarterback that goes to the Cleveland Browns. Like, you have no opportunity to grow as a player. Like, if you show that you're not good in the first year or your second year, then you're it's a wrap for you. Man, Case Keenum is somebody who's been, you know, so far throughout his career, uh, the per perennial backup. You know, the couple of years in Houston, the couple of years with the Rams, and now with Minnesota, like – Here's somebody who's got a chance to watch from the sideline. And sometimes a part of learning is watching people do it wrong so you can know how to do things the right way. 
You know, so I've been watching. He's been watching guys like Brian Hoyer and uh, who was the other terrible dude that played for the for the Titans or excuse me for the Texans that I can't remember. T.J. Yates. T.J. Yates. No, there was one other one. Brian Hoyer. Thank you. No, I said Brian Hoyer. Oh. One one other one that uh, uh, did no Brandon Whedon play uh, there. What? No, I think Whedon was Dallas. Okay. Can't uh, remember. Either way, terrible. Something like that. Terrible. And then Brock Osweiler. Yeah. It was well. It was Brock. Yeah, Brock was one of them. You know. So Whole either way, he's had a, he's had a bunch of guys that are that have played the position that he has to kind of sit and take cues from. He's not exactly learning from Aaron Rodgers. He's not exactly learning from a Tom Brady the way that you know that Garoppolo at least got to look at for the past you know four or five years. Man, this dude had to kind of do it all on his own. And Jeff Fisher is not a quarterback guru, even a little bit. To my to my knowledge, neither is Zimmer. You know, but he's got him playing great football. And then this is the first year that he actually got a chance to start. He went last year as a backup and had nine touchdowns, 11 interceptions. This year, his first year as a starter, 22 touchdowns and seven interceptions. This is a capable quarterback. They call him a game manager, call him whatever you want to, but we have to stop referring to this dude as just the, a, oh, a really good backup. He hasn't been a game manager this year. He's been a top he's quarterback a, this he's year. He's been a good quarterback, but I'm saying you call him a game manager to say that, man, he doesn't have all the intangibles of a Cam or as a Brady, you know, that's that's all good. But here's a dude that comes in here and knows how to play the position and doesn't make a lot of mistakes. Now, granted, is he throwing for 35 touchdowns this season? Not yet, but give him another year and see what he does. Hey, 22, didn't, didn't 22 touchdowns and seven interceptions, man, this is not a bad season in by any means he did in college remember he was i mean it was that kind of an offense but yes. in houston under uh i believe it was kevin sumlin was there at that point he was an elite quarterback in college and he fell pretty far in the draft too with uh, in terms of how good his matt numbers shop were. thank you so much text please man you're mm. absolutely man. matt shop it's hey, just, he used to be good and matt shop was good for a second but i mean i'm just <laughs> oh, that was a little a while that, ago Huh? That was a little while ago because he was. Didn't he end up in like the for the playing with the Giants for a little bit or something? Like Shop. he yeah, was on the. Um... Or no, oh, it was Baltimore, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, there we go. So it's been yeah, it's been a while since Shab. Like that's in Atlanta. They, I think he's in Atlanta. They've too. never had a franchise guy. Yeah. yeah, and so I mean, so you have to take your cues. You know, you just kind of have to you know take your hard knocks. You know, for the most part, take a bunch of bumps, and that's kind of what he's been able to do. Now it looks like he's paid. It's paid dividends, and he has a unlike these other teams. Man, he has a great defense behind him now that can go out there and kind of bail him out of certain situations. So he starts his career in Houston mm -hmm. and isn't great, right? As we talked about, he became a backup, a career backup in, in everybody's eyes in Houston. Now, Houston didn't necessarily have a bad offensive staff in terms of coaches, but you know Bill O'Brien's known as being a good offensive mind, but he just didn't. He didn't pan out. Then he goes and plays with Jeff Fisher, which we know is a death sentence to anybody in the NFL right now. And now he's under a one of the best offensive coordinators in the league, Pat Shermer, which is weird to say. Uh, my concern is that Pat Shermer's leaving. He's going to go take the Giants' job when the season's over. And Mike Zimmer's a defensive coach, so it's going to be a lot of I think Case Keenum's future success if he stays in Minnesota, which is still up in the air. He could certainly take another offer if he wants to. Um, is who the new offensive coordinator is there because Shermer has made this offense into something really, really good. I don't want to say special, but good. He knows how to make all those weapons work together. If a new guy comes in and doesn't pan out, then maybe Case Keenum goes back to looking like a backup. Maybe he's reliant on that really solid offense around him to look like a good quarterback, which it might sound like a generic thing to say, but and a lot of quarterbacks certainly could say the same thing. But I don't think Case Keenum is special as a quarterback. I don't think he can go to any team and make them good. I think Case Keenum fits perfectly where he is right now in the offense that he's in, 
which is part of the reason why I think Minnesota should keep him. But I don't think he's that good of a quarterback where he can just go anywhere and just make that team good. Uh, so that's 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 where I find my level of indifference of Case Keenum. He's he's a mid-tier guy. There are a lot of guys in the mid-tier in the NFL who could switch teams and wouldn't make that team any better unless that offense had better talent or something like that. Yeah. A lot of them fit perfectly where they are because the offense was built around their skill set. I, I mean, and I, I would agree with with some of that, but I, I will say this. Um, here's a guy in his two in his one year as the core starting quarterback has come in and did a better job than the two years that Teddy Bridgewater was a starting quarterback, the one year that Sam Bradford was a starting quarterback. He has outplayed both of them. That's just what it is. I mean, so if if Bridgewater is the quarterback of the future that they're thinking about, I would think again because the stats the stats show that man Case Keenum is better than both of those dudes at that position for that team. So if they're looking for a, a new guy. I hope it ain't Bridgewater, and I damn for sure, for sure, for sure hope it, it damn sure ain't Sam Bradford, but it, it might be Case Keenum. I mean, I'm just looking at his. What's to say that he can't? In his first year, this is what he does. Give him another year. You know, if he comes out and gives you a similar type of output on some Alex Smith stuff, if these are going to be his numbers, 23 and seven, 20, 24 and three, 24 and four, I'm good with my quarterback throwing that every year. Now switching to Nick Foles, what a. Uh... You had a hot take on Nick Foles. What's your hot Nick Foles take? Because Nick Foles is a backup. He's not going to be the starter next year when Wentz is back. So he's kind of he's, he's kind of in the weirdest spot out of all three of the other three that we're talking about. But yeah, you think something different. I mean, I just I, – I, I look at I, – I like to look at the whole picture as opposed to just – I think we take snapshots a lot of times in, in sports and we kind of – you know, we become, as to steal a line from Skip Bayless, become prisoners of the moment. You know, whatever's happening right there, then that's just the way we go with things, man. Does anybody remember the Philadelphia experiment with Chip Kelly and the fact that uh, things didn't work out the, you know, the right way for the, for the entire time Chip was there? Uh, then they end up trading um, Nick Foles to St. Louis at a point. And then he went to the bench. Might have been that order, yeah. So, but the one year that he had as the starting quarterback for Philadelphia, um, he threw 27 touchdowns and two picks. Does anybody remember that year? I do. And then the next year, the wheels completely fell off for for Philadelphia, and that's what kind of started the, the downward spiral that they have. Then we keep talking about him. He went to Jeff Fisher. Jeff Fisher is an awesome offensive mind, right? He's going to be able to take you to the next level. And eh, doesn't happen. Then he went to Jesse's favorite uh, coach in the, in the AFC, Andy Reid. Andy Reid is going to teach you how to be a better quarterback, right? No, not really. And Alex Smith doesn't really miss a lot of games. So then he gets traded back to Philadelphia. And what do you know, Carson – or then he goes back to Philadelphia. Carson Wentz just happens to come out of his shell. Nick Foles has done nothing over the past few years to show me that he can't play quarterback in this position – or in, in this league. Uh, this year, in seven games, he's got five touchdowns and two picks. Not great numbers. He's had one good game – one bad game, and then like a, a couple of average and then some, games, and, and then some indifferent, and you know yeah. some some games that kind of could have you know went either way. Either way, I don't think Nick Foles is a terrible quarterback. I think he has potential to be a really really good quarterback if he has the right offensive mind and the right kind of structure around him. I think all when we talk about quarterback, he was super efficient last week, only missed seven passes. When, when you talk about quarterbacks, man, it's a matter of making sure you have the right staff around them to teach them how to play. Alex Smith was trash. For the first five years of his of his career until he got an offensive coordinator and a head coach that knew what they were doing. And what do you know? Alex Smith is damn near a pro bowler every year. 
that's just kind of what it is. Sometimes having that structure is is cool. And Kansas City didn't really have a lot of that structure, um, at least not with him playing quarterback. St. Louis for sure didn't have any. And Philadelphia went into the toilet after Chip Kelly kind of, you know, decided he was taking out Taco Tuesday. Interesting. I, I, I don't necessarily feel the same way about Nick Foles as you do. Uh, I think he is a very, very typical average guy who can have good games. He can have a lot of bad games. And maybe that means he could be a starter somewhere, but I think he certainly is a very good backup to have if he is a backup. Uh, there are certain certain guys in the league that, to me, are just the best guys to have as backups because you know your quarterback's probably going to get hurt at some point in the year. And when that happens, you don't want to fall off a cliff at that position. You want it to be a somewhat dr- a small drop to try to keep the game, the game going, and that's kind of who I view Nick Foles as. All right, coming up next segment, who do you want to see and who do you think we're going to see in the Super Bowl? Text your thoughts, too, to the fan text line at 55305. This is Football Sunday on the Fan. Football Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. Ten nineteen here on your Sunday morning. We are one and a half hours, 90 minutes-ish, away from the first championship game today. Now, I have a question. your team. I have a question. Pat's Jags. Yes. How do you... Is there a, a, a proper way to celebrate championship games, like AFC, NFC championship game? Is that like a mini kind of party? I mean, because these are typically, the you know, really the last couple football games we're going to see of the year. These are the last three football games we're going to see all year. So is it is it proper to – I mean, even if, you're, if your team is in it, you know, is, is it good form to have like a pre-turn-up or is it like a – What do you mean? Like I – Sure. Well, I mean, I'm definitely, you know, have, you know, you know, people over and stuff like that. But yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think I just honestly feel if your team is playing in a championship game, you should probably celebrate that because there's no guarantee that you're going to be in the Super Bowl. So, I mean, at least celebrate your team's success up until that point. That's what I say. Well, okay. I mean, I guess if your team is in it. If your team is I in it. I guess it's different, though, because you're a Patriots fan. So your team's always in it. Mm-hmm. Right. So is it okay to celebrate this as a Patriots fan? Or this is just another. This is the norm. You're supposed I don't know. to be here. Um, I mean, probably, probably not. You know, you know, it's kind of like not celebrating the conference championship or something like that. But I don't know. I just kind of feel like this is this is such a you know. There's a lot of you know finality with these games. It's one and done. So I figure if your team is in the AFC NFC championship games, then you should probably celebrate those, and then you know have a bigger celebration if you get to the Super Bowl. That's just <laughs> what I think. I mean, That's interesting. It's tough, though, because once you get into the playoffs, the whole point is that you're supposed to be the Super Bowl winner, right? Mm-hmm. So if you lose in the playoffs, I feel like you can't celebrate the fact that you made the playoffs. Well, maybe the- maybe in the maybe in the future, especially for a team like the Bills who haven't done it in so long, the fact that they made it and then lost in the first round, that's cool, but you can't celebrate that. Well, I mean, this isn't necessarily celebrating, a, you know, making it to the playoffs, but this is, you know, this is an opportunity to play in the Super Bowl, like the biggest game. In the world, like I don't think there's a is there what what game is bigger than the Super Bowl? There isn't any. Uh, there's nothing. Game seven of the World Series, Game seven NBA Finals, you know Talladega. Like what game is bigger? Than Champions this League one? Final, if you want to go international, you know? but yeah, but nothing. So, I mean, so to be able to say that I have an opportunity to play in that game, I think that's something to be celebrated, low key. Mm, I suppose. Yeah. I think it's hard though because 
that means that you're losing if you're celebrating playing in this game because no. you're not celebrating in the Super no, Bowl. That, it, just, it just means that, man, I'm celebrating with my team now just in case it's football, things happen. You could have told the Saints last week they weren't going to the NFC Championship. There's no way you could have told them they weren't going to go. And then within four seconds, it was all over, and they're going home. So. Sean Payton was literally mocking the Minnesota audience with like a minute to go after they, that you know, less than a minute to go. He was literally up there mocking them with their little chant, and then next thing you know, <laughs> they're throwing it right back at his face. Third and ten, and there you go. You know what I'm saying? Game's over. So you'd have never been able to tell them that they, they thought they were going to the NFC Championship. They thought they were going to the Super Bowl. We thought they were going to the Super Bowl. Not so. So if your team is you know, the Jags, the Vikings, um, Philadelphia, I could totally understand if you had like a small little turn up at the house. I get it. All right. Well, thinking about today's games then, who would you like to see win? And who do you think is going to win? Mm. I, uh, or I, I should, who do you want to see win? And who do you think is going to be the best perform, best teams or best matchup? That's the word. Um, in the Super Bowl. I, uh, the best matchup is, I think it's pretty clear, it's Vikings-Patriots. Um, Viking, but just because both teams are um, complete right now, uh, the, the Patriots' defense isn't great, and we know that, but their offense is, uh, it's A1. You know, I don't think there's a better offense from either of, either of those teams right now. Um, who do I think is going to, I think it's I think it's also going to be Patriots and the Vikings. Um, I think the Vikings are going to be playing at home. Um uh, I think the Pats are just better than the Jaguars. Um, Jags have a great defense. The Pats have a great everything else. Okay. And uh, and that's who you want to win too, both those teams? That's, I mean, who, that's, who, I, that's who I would like to see win in those games. I don't. I, I would really hate to see. And I was just being – this is just a football fan in me. I'm sorry, guys. But I would hate to see Jacksonville, Philadelphia in the Super Bowl. Mm. I would absolutely hate that game. That would be one of the most boring Super Bowls we've ever seen since Giants um, – uh, Ravens 2000. Well, so I, I'm with you. I think a lot, I think most people would agree the best possible matchup in terms of storylines, in terms of intrigue, is Patriots Vikings, especially with the Vikings being at home angle. That could be the the extra oomph they would need to knock the Patriots off in the Super Bowl, that kind of thing. But what, what do I want to see? I kind of want to see the Jags win. I'm not gonna lie. I, 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 I know like- that I know the Patriots would be a more intriguing team but how cool would it be the team that has been mocked for years and years and years and has only recently been surpassed by the browns in terms of being mocked recently to beat the team that is mocked for being too good and never losing and being in the super bowl and cheating and all that kind of stuff to beat them and go to the super bowl blake bortles would be a super bowl quarterback Mm -hmm. blake Bortles, the Jacksonville Jaguars would be in the Super Bowl. Yeah, that would be so cool. It'd be. It, it would be. It like would. last week during that Steelers game, I was giddy, laughing when the Jags were embarrassing them in the first half. I don't care about the Jags. I don't care about the Steelers. But I was giddy with it. So, for whatever reason, I've got this hyped attitude about the Jags, just because I feel like it's it's just such a st- stupidly random storyline that would never in a million years happen and it could be happening right in front of us. But could you imagine if somebody, you know, this is kind of morbid, somebody waking up from a coma, been in a coma for like 10 years and find out that, oh man, who's in the, who's in the Super Bowl this year? Oh, it's Jacksonville, Philadelphia. 
What? Or Minnesota, or Jacksonville, might even Minnesota. Be more silly. Like, wait, what? Like, who? <laughs> you know. So, I mean, this is kind of one of those. I, I like it because, you know, with the exception of Philadelphia, um, these really aren't traditional powers. You know, you, you look at the, the Vikings. Um, traditionally, I mean, really outside of the, the Randy Moss, Dante, you know, Culpepper years, um, haven't been a franchise that's looked at as you know one of the one of the greats. You know, Philadelphia, I think has, but that's. I mean, still never won it though. It's still never won, and we think when I think of Philly, I think of more their fans than the actual, you know, play on the field. The Jaguars again have been, like you said, they've been the punching bag for the past twelve years. You know, twelve years, and now the Browns are officially the NFL's only punching bag because the Browns just can't figure out how to get it together. So, I mean, you got three teams here that are just kind of, you know. Whatever, and then you've got like this evil empire in the Patriots that's looking to go for championship number six. So I think there's a lot of storylines here. I just really don't want to see Jags and either one of those teams. <laughs> so the Patriots, <laughs> well, have to do, Patriots have to do everybody a favor. You have and to win this game. Fan, do everybody a favor, win this game. I mean, is there anybody else like Jesse? Do you do you feel what I'm feeling, or is anybody out there listening in the text Jesse line? Does Jesse feel? Are, are you like so on the the Jags bandwagon right now? Get give me anything. But the Patriots, like this, just like it. In some ways, this is like the national championship game where I just literally I refuse to watch one, the championship game or a playoff game for that matter because I just I did not want to support anything that had Alabama in it again. I was done with Alabama, and despite the fact they won it, I didn't think they earned their way in. Now, granted, it's a good game too. It, it was, from what I understand, it was. I'm sure it was, but I just wanted nothing to I do didn't with watch it either. Jesse, don't feel bad. Um, now this is kind of similar in the fact that I'm just, I'm kind of over the Patriots. Like, like to be honest, I'm over the Patriots. I'm over the Steelers. Um, in reality, you could throw the Denver Broncos in there because those are the three teams that have dominated the AFC for like 15 years. Like mm -hmm. there's been like two quarterbacks outside of that to crack it. The Ravens. Well, like, yeah, yeah. like it's literally like Joe Flacco. So once again, if we're going to liken this, we're going to liken Blake Bortles to anybody. Um, there have been, two quarterbacks to defeat the Patriots at home in the playoffs. One of them, Mark Sanchez, great defense, right? Yep. Another one, Joe Flacco, great defense. defense. I honestly believe that the Blake Bortles can be the third because Blake Bortles is not the cog that makes that team move. Totally they agree. have all the pieces. They can hammer Tom Brady. They can run the ball. Um, they can slow down the passing game. I'm not going to at all say that they can stop it, but they can slow it down. Um, they have all the pieces, and, and, and the culture's changed in that direction. Um, I very much believe that they can beat the Patriots. I, I'm going to call it. I, I don't, I'm not super confident in it, but I am gonna, I'm going to. I'm going to say Patriots find or the, the Jacksonville Jaguars find a way to to beat the Patriots, and then um, I called it last week. I said Minnesota was going to win last week, and they were going to win this week. And All right. they won last week, so they're uh, halfway there. There we go. That's our thoughts. Text yours into the fan text line at 55305. And are any of you guys actually in on the Jags like Jesse and myself are? You can also text that in. Just quickly, a couple of texts. Taking the pass over the Vikings in the Super Bowl, then Bill B gives the finger to Kraft and goes to Miami. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like you might be a Dolphins fan. Wishful thinking. Uh, but he might do that. Belichick is under contract for another four years, guys. He's not going no place. Just uh, saying. He might. Um None of them are my team. I'm just going to eat a lot of food and drink a lot of beer and enjoy. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a text totally I like fair. Right there. That's a text I like. That's there, totally yeah. a fair way to do it. Uh, Vikings comes in, and uh, I'm a defense on the ball kind of guy, Ravens fan, putting, but putting on a Jags hat for the playoffs. There we go. There we we go. do have another Jags fan. 
with us today. I think up most here. of the world is Jags fans today. No, just go, ahead, go ahead and say be, that. I think it's going to be a little bit tough, though, because I think they a lot of people just hate the idea of Jacksonville making yeah. the Super Bowl. They're like, well, but the Patriots. Deep down, you want us there, though, baby. Don't it, act like it, that. It's just, I don't. It, <laughs> it just goes to the thing. It's like we've all known that once again, like for the last three years, we've been like, look at all this talent. Like, like this year, right? Like going into this year, we're like, that is one of the most underrated, like wide receiving corps. I thought it was like a top five corps. Allen Robinson goes down in like week one. Allen Hearns is like unheard of after uh, halfway through the season because of a high ankle sprain. But guess what? Marquise Lee finally comes into his own and they get Keenan Allen uh, and, uh, and D.D. Westbrook, and all of a sudden, it's still a great receiving core. Like, it's just worked out for him this year. Yep, that is true. All right, coming up next, it is time for Hate It or Love It. What uh, Jesse's going to give us some info. We will have a competition about it. And uh, it'll be Mario sound effects that get us the win or the, lo- or the loss. And the winner gets to lo- uh, host the last segment. So that's next. But first, Jesse has Sports Center. Football Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. One of the best movies. I love it. On TV right now. Ocean's Eleven. Love this movie. I love this movie as well. Love it to death. Absolutely. Rusty is super cool. And he's always eating something. You ever notice that? Yep. Every scene, he's, he's like, you eating know. eating something in every scene. Absolutely. Eating or drinking something. Well, and you know what, in, in the movie world, what eating signifies? What's that? Either death or sex. So, it's not, obviously, it's not foolproof, but in a lot of movies, if you see someone eating, the, that's kind of the general idea behind sex. I could see that. Fast and Furious, Tokyo Drift. Yeah. <laughs> see that? I like how you go to that one yeah. first. Right? No, the Asian guy was always eating in Fast and Furious. And so then he ended up dying. I guess I always think of mob movies. Hmm. That's a good point. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. And Rusty is, uh, no, no one's dying with Rusty here in this movie, but, uh, you know, Rusty's the sex guy, right? Yeah, I guess so. So you can kind of uh, kind of lean it that way. I've seen this movie so many times and I can still watch it start to finish and feel like it's the first time I'm watching it. I love this movie so much. Um, anyway, hate it or love it, it is time for that. So, Jesse, go ahead and get us started. Guess I'm going to have to give uh, Ocean's Eleven another try. I've, I've watched it once. I thought awesome. it was fine. I, d- I guess I didn't think it was amazing, so I guess I'll, I'll watch it again. Great. Oh, yeah. Based on recommendations. Absolutely. You guys. So, uh, let's jump right into this, hate it or love it. Um, you know, this is what I, I thought this was kind of interesting because I was going to go specifically with a... Jaguars defense type question and then realized how good the defenses were going into this game once um, NFL Network broke it down. Um, And so the Vikings defense, first yards per game in the NFL at 275.9. First uh, points per game at 15.8. Second in the NFL in rushing per game, uh, 83.6. And third down conversion rate of 25%. That's pretty dang good. Yes. Uh, Eagles, seventh yards per game, 365.8. Third points per game, 28.6. And this is all defensive numbers. First rushing defense, 79.2. And fifth yards per game at 306.5. So just all around a great defense. Saxonville, the, the one defense we've said all year long, 
um, has been the best defense. I love the way they put this one. Fewer points per game than the 2015 Broncos, uh, 16.8 to 18.5. More sacks than the 2002 Bucks, 55 to 43. Fewer pass yards than the 2013 Seahawks, 169.9 to 172. Right? Jags? This is the Jags. More defensive touchdowns than the 85 Bears, (laughs) seven to five. Wow. Okay. All right. So what are we hate or, hating or loving? Hate I'm already or loving love. The Jags. As, right? I know. Well, I'm just kind of using this because we always talk about how we are in an offensive, like we're in like this great offensive world in the NFL, like this era of passing attacks and aerial attacks and rushing attacks and everything. In reality, as much as we want to say we are in this um, offensive dominated NFL, in reality, we are a great an underappreciated era, defensive era in the NFL. Um, sure, I'll love it. If, I, I feel like that's an easy one to love because you're right. Uh, the Seahawks defense was elite for many years and was a historic defense. The Broncos defense has been a historic defense in terms of those two years where they were really, really good. Um, it's it's tough for me right now because it's been one year for this Jags defense, but if they continue with these players, who a lot of them are very young, uh, to improve, then this could be a historic defense in the future. So, yeah, we are at a point right now where there's a lot of defenses who will probably not be considered one of the best ever, except for the C. I think the Seahawks have already put themselves at that category with those. You know, everyone always brings up who are the best defenses of all time. 85 Bears, 2002 Bucks, uh, and, and a lot of people, and there's others too. And you can, the Steelers, the, the Steel Curtain, and you're going to include the Seahawks in that as well. Um, but yeah, I think we might start seeing that as well because you're right. We are, we always talk about this being a great offensive time in, in the NFL, and it is. It is a great offensive time in the NFL for a lot of teams who run very unique offenses or very explosive offenses, such as the Saints um, or the Rams this year. But defense still wins championships. And this is this is true almost every single year. The better defense tends to win the championships. Well, this is going to be a big test this year of, of how true that is because the Patriots have awful defense. And if they win, then this year they were able to, to beat that, that norm. But, yeah. I, I, I love this. I'm, I'm hating. I'm loving your hating. What now? You're, that this is an incredibly underappreciated era for defensive love, football. Love. Okay. So wait a minute. So you just told us that they are ha, they are better in whatever instance than the 2002 Buccaneers Super Bowl champions. Better than the Legion of Boom from 13 Super Bowl champions. Better than the Denver Broncos from Super Bowl 50, Super Bowl champions. Better than the 84 Bears, probably the greatest defense to ever to ever play, possibly ever. So all that being said, this is this is this Jacksonville team or this defense is elite. I have one, I guess, kind of reservation about this whole thing is that you look at their schedule. Who did they beat? They the, the teams that they played and beat are their their schedule. If you look at it, probably one of the easier schedules they'll play. The only playoff teams they've beaten are the Bills and the Steelers. And the Steelers. So they beat Houston, Tennessee, Baltimore. Or, uh, excuse me, they lost to the Jets. a point for me. You know, they, <laughs> they, they beat um, the, the Colts with no quarterback. They beat the, the Bengals that are a mess. They beat the, uh, the Chargers that were a mess. Of course, the Browns. They beat a lot of teams that weren't very good. And then they beat up on Big Ben Roethlisberger and the Steelers, which they're 5-1 and one now at Heinz Field. So... 
I think they are. This is one of the greatest defenses that we've seen for the NFL, especially in a long time. But I would pump the brakes on CNC, and they're one of the best defenses ever. They are definitely one of the most underrated and underappreciated defenses that we've seen this year, for sure. All right, now we'll 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 throw it a little bit more of a controversial one here. I, I kind of I guarantee you I know where Rashad's going with this one, but I'm not sure about my act like you know me and my. <laughs> you know All right, uh, we saw a couple years ago uh, when we had a dominant tight end like who was considered the best um, in the business in New Orleans and Jimmy Graham. Nobody could stop this guy until Bill Belichick came around and he said, "Hey, you know what? We're just gonna." Stick our best quarterback on him and then shut down Jimmy Graham. Kind of set up the blueprint. This week, Jalen Ramsey came out on Twitter and said, Rob Gronkowski's never seen anybody like me. Hmm. Mm. Mm. It, it kind of kind of maybe us alluding to possibly Jalen Ramsey is going to be shadowing Rob Gronkowski, which in my opinion is not a bad idea. Love or hate. Jalen Ramsey will successfully disrupt Super Gronk. I'm not saying stop. I'm saying disrupt. Define disrupt. Six catches, 70 yards. No touchdowns. Something like that. So, fine game. I I hate it. I hate it. And here's why. I I love Jalen Ramsey. I think Jalen Ramsey is a really, really good cornerback. He's going to be one of the best if he continues at this trajectory that he's he's been going at. I mean, remember, he's only in his first season. Um, Size is a huge factor in this matchup. Jalen Ramsey is nowhere near the size of Rob Gronkowski. So, sure, maybe Gronk won't be open as often. But in red zone situations, in third down situations, size is going to win. Because if he can throw it up to Gronk, Gronk can body off Jalen Ramsey, not interfere, but body him off and make that catch. The biggest thing that I, that I, I learned from primetime this week, they taught me something very statsy this week, is that the Jaguars struggle the most when the offense is in a two tight end set. Guess what the Patriots do really effectively and have for many years? What's that? The two tight end set. And the Jags are really good against a one tight end set, which the Patriots don't run very often. So I think that this offense is made, the Patriots offense, to be able to beat the Jags' defense. Now, the Jags' individual talent is good enough, I think, to keep this a really good game. But I think in this specific matchup, if Ramsey's the one guarding Gronk, I think Gronk's going to still have a field day. If they allow him to, the Patriots throw him the ball a lot because he's just bigger. Size is always a factor with him. I I hate it. I think the I really think they're being a little Jalen Ramsey. Number one, he's a he's a sassy gentleman, and he likes to you know <laughs> he likes to throw a little fuel on the fire all the time. Only thing is, this is the wrong fire to throw you know some additional gasoline on because the Patriots don't need any more chalkboard material outside of this is the end of their dynasty. Tom Brady is hurt. Things will never be the same. Man. Rob Gronkowski is, you know, so Brady and Gronk need one more touchdown to break the uh, the break the postseason record for connections between a touchdown and a receiver. Currently, they're tied they're they're tied for second or tied for first with only anybody can anybody guess Montana and Jerry Rice. 
Mm. So one more touchdown to Rob Gronkowski, they will have more touchdowns, a more a better connection than anybody else in the postseason. Jalen Ramsey is, I think he's kind of forgetting about some of these other really great receivers from the Patriots. Now, mind you, Gronkowski's the one that gets a lot of attention, but there's a dude named Brandon Cooks who's really good, and he needs all of a little bit of space to make a big play. We haven't seen it from him yet, but that doesn't mean it's not coming. Chris Hogan is returning. So all of a sudden, this is somebody else for the Patriots that can come through the middle and kind of take on that Julian Edelman role that he hasn't really been able to fill all season. Man, the Patriots have, they have a problem at receiving. I mean, when I say they, I mean uh, the the Jaguars because I think they're really underestimating how good some of these Patriots receivers are. Um, Bronkowski is going to have a field day against Jalen Ramsey. He's not big enough. Sorry, if you want to have any chance to do that, you got to put Miles Jack on. Hmm. I think there might be something to this. I'm Like I said, I, I think Gronk might have a good day, but I think he might just get slowed down. I, Jalen Ramsey might just be a big enough speed bump for him. He's going to get a lot of holding like, calls today. <laughs> Jalen Ramsey's going to have a lot of holding calls. He's going to have no choice. Um, Chicago went and uh, got uh, new offensive coordinator Mark Helfridge. We all know about him. We know what he um, was able to do with a guy like uh, Mark Helfridge under center in the college ranks. He has um, since come out and said his new quarterback, Mitch Trubisky, reminds him of a former quarterback in uh, in Marcus Mariota. Um, Both have accurate balls and athletic uh, and They have accurate balls? They have accurate balls. (laughs) It's a good thing Um, to have. Love or hate, Elf will get a noticeably um, imp- a noticeable improvement out of the sophomore quarterback next season. I mean, significant improvement. He, I don't well, think he was as great as some people thought he was this year. I'm going to say Love just because naturally he's going to improve. He was the number one pick in the draft, which means he's got a high ceiling, and most of those guys do see an improvement from year one to year two. Now, remember, Mark Helfrich is not going to be the offensive coordinator. He will be helping coach the offense, but Matt Nagy is going to be the offensive coordinator, the guy who came over from Kansas City to be the head coach. Um, I, but I, this is this this love is a lot less about Helfrich and a lot more about Trubisky. I think Trubisky does have the potential to be a pretty solid NFL quarterback. I don't see greatness in him necessarily, but I see kind of a Andy Dalton, Joe Flacco kind of situation where he could be a solid quarterback. I don't think Mark Helfrich is going to work in the NFL, and that's what makes me a little bit nervous because outside of inheriting Chip Kelly's team and doing really well with that team and inheriting the best quarterback in Oregon history, um, who is, what is, what is, what did he prove? He proved that he can't recruit, that he doesn't have an eye for talent, that he doesn't have an eye for who's going to be a fit in his offense. And that when push comes to shove, he's passive and doesn't have what it takes to, to really kind of grab a team and push them to be a good team. Now he's not going to have to do all that as an offensive coordinator, of course, but I'm worried about his ability doing that in the NFL when he's going to be a big guy that people are saying he's going to get talent. He's going to be a good judge of talent. Well, he really wasn't at Oregon. How bad were those last two recruiting classes? They were awful. I mean, how many guys did he miss on? The the Tua Tagliovia guy at Alabama was a Helfrich Frost miss. And he said he wanted. He said if Oregon offered, he would commit instantly. And they didn't until super late in the process. So I... This is I, I love it because I think Trubisky is going to improve, but I don't love it because of Helfrich. Uh, I've I've uh, I hate it as well. Um, I'm going to be honest. I, I I'm kind of with Lynch on this one. I might be losing the point as well because I think Mr. Trubisky, Mitchell Trubisky, is good enough to where he's going to improve. You're going to see an improvement from him and, and his play. Um, but I just don't know if Mark Helfrich is going to be the reason that that happens. I can't really say Mark Helfrich was the reason that Marcus Mariota was successful. I can't say that he was the reason that um, uh, 
second quarterback came in there, Eastern Washington. His name oh, sorry, Fruit Cup? Vernon Adams. Vernon can't Adams. say that Vernon Adams was a product of Fruit uh, Cup was Montana. Yeah. yeah, you know, I can't say that Vernon Adams was a product of uh, Helfrich either. You know, he just happened to have two really talented quarterbacks that were able to make things happen with just their talent alone. Uh, so I'm looking at that saying that is Helfrich really going to dr- design some type of play calling or some type of scheme that's going to be much different than what we've already seen in the NFL? We saw Chip Kelly come as a head coach and try to implement implement his his style of play, and it did it worked for a year, but then it didn't really work after that. So my question is: Is Helfrich the 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 mastermind behind Oregon's success, or was it really Chip Kelly? So now we're we're kind of. I think it's kind of in a weird spot, but I don't think Helfridge is really that great of a play caller. Um, I don't think he was that great as far as schemes. We saw enough of that here in Eugene. And so I think if Trubisky uh, improves, I think it will have very little to do with Helfridge. And that offense doesn't work in the NFL as well as Not it does in college. So will he be smart enough to adjust? Hopefully, but I just don't see it. All right. I'm going to be honest. I was really disappointed with you guys in the last time you you, you really let me down on that last question. Just kind of, I love it, but I don't love it. Or you got to pick a side, guys. You got to pick a side. I hate it. I, I hate told it. you I, I picked a side. I love it because I, I, I believe in Trubisky. He's going to be good. Like, I don't well, believe in Helfrich. It, 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 it's, it's a significant improvement here. And you guys were like, I think he's good enough to make because most didn't people say significant. do. I did. You said he will I did. improve. In, uh, in a noticeable, like, okay, a nose, fine. All right. Noticeable improvement. But most of that inferred basically because of Helfridge, not because, oh, he's just got talent. Because honestly, I didn't think he was that good. Anyways, well, uh, uh, not I'm not confident about this just because I don't want to give a winner to anybody this week. Wow. Nice job. Nice job, but. So we're going to tie? Lynch. Okay. Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> I feel so good about my win now. Thanks, Jesse. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, sorry. Right? By default and stuff? Right. Yeah. Kind of a default win there. All right. Well. Coming up next, let's wrap up our thoughts on the games today. We only have a couple of minutes, and then uh, we will head out. That is next here on The Fan. Football Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. I really pissed Jesse off by not being super uh, yeah. definitive with our last answer, but high blood pressure is real. I still won, so it's okay. Right <laughs> I guess we're all Fifty Shades of Grey all up in there. We are Fifty Shades. There's, there's, there's more than fifty, but yes, man. Like mm. sometimes, man, it's just, it's just not as black and white, especially when it comes to anything Chicago Bears. Uh, well, unless so, it's the leather straps, then I, it's black. I guess yes. my argument is, is if it's a, a hate it or a love it. It's not really a hate it, shades of gray, or love it. It's a hate it or love it. So you just pick so a side and you argue it. I, I guess I, thought, I am. I thought we did. Uh, I thought I thought we did. I feel like it, once again, it's like if you if it it's about both parts of the equation. It's not like well, I think Trubisky's going to improve, but Helfer's just going to suck. And, and they're both connected. You know, in that equation. So is Helfrich going to suck? And in which case you, you stick with that. Yeah, but, but or okay. But Nagy's going to be the offensive coordinator. Yeah. And he's going to have a big hand in the offense. Yeah. So it's not going to be all based on Mark Helfrich. 
No, it's to not. rescue's improvement, but, which is why our answer was shades of gray. It, but it's not about that. This is a yes or no. This is a yes or no situation. You know, I mean, I this think is what we've been dealing with in the break. Uh, he has yeah, been right? ranting to us about how bad our hated or love it yes. was this week. Because Trubisky is talented, and we know he is talented. He was the first overall pick. Like we know, second overall. Seth, excuse me, I'm forgive me. Top two pick in the NFL draft. So Take we know Sean he's Watson going. He's supposed to be talented. So would I. He Take had Patrick some plays. Mahomes any day over him. Ooh, we only seen one one game. I'll still him. take. Uh, I still take Patrick Mahomes over Mitch. Bears had no talent though. Mm. Outside of the running back, who is a little overrated uh, anyway. You know what? Home. Like, I mean, they were loading the box with like eight, nine guys every play, and he still wasn't like Superman by any means. Like, I've seen way better rookies. All right, that was the. Uh, that's that. That's what happened in the break there. Is super salty Jesse. I've never seen Jesse that salty unless it's about how bad he Vance Joseph is. How much he hates Vance yeah, Joseph. That's like that's a that's a hot button. Don't mention Vance that, Joseph. That was name. the saltiest I've ever seen Jesse was talking about. Look how Vance ready's Joseph. turning now. You mentioned Vance Joseph. I know those two names bring up really bad uh bad memories for Jesse. And uh they're gonna continue because he's still the head coach of the team. <laughs> All right, that's gonna do it for us this week. Next week it's uh Pro Bowl week, right? So Maybe we'll take a break from doing a lot of hardcore football talk because we're going to have two Super Bowl preview shows. So might as well wait until Super Bowl Sunday to preview the Super Bowl show. Um, maybe we'll uh, maybe we'll spread our wings a little bit and fly and do some other stuff next sport week. Sport Sunday? Maybe, we'll sport, maybe, maybe we'll sport Sunday at next week. Maybe. Oh. Maybe. Jesse looks sick about that. No blazer talk? No hot blazer talk? <laughs> trade trade right. CJ Nurkits, what? Trade yeah. CJ. We got to go. Noon, 340, the games today. CBS and Fox in that order. Enjoy them. And go Jags. Go Pats. But really go Jags. Jags. Omaha! 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 This one's for Pat!